0: Well, that 2024 conference slate gets an A-plus as far as I'm concerned. Locked in here on a Thursday afternoon. A lot of reaction coming up to OU's SEC schedule announcement. I am Parker Thune. Tyler McComas is on vacation this week. And so, in his stead, we welcome in the two-star recruit turned local radio legend himself, Teddy Lehman. Teddy, where are you today?
1: I'm hanging out at Westwood. Golf course is in amazing shape, cheap rounds. Uh, good food. I'm at the uh, the turn grill. Good food, cold beers. They're always taking care of everyone in here. So uh just a beautiful Thursday, man. Awesome stuff.
0: I tell you, man, I don't know if you're as bullish on this home slate as I am, but I, I legit like if that's not best case scenario in my mind, I don't know what is. Alabama, Tennessee. South Carolina, all coming to Norman yes, uh, next fall. Uh, yes and amen to that.
1: Yeah, I love it. I think it's awesome. you got, you got good road games. You've got um, good, good uh, road venues. Man, the, the road venues we're heading to, other than Missouri, I haven't been to – I've never been to LSU, never been to Auburn, never been to Ole Miss and we've never played at any of those places. Now, some OU fans may have happened by those places, but um, we've never gone to play there, so that's about all you can ask for, isn't it? The ability to head on the road to play some historical programs, uh, big stadiums and places you've never been. Well, I love
0: it. I love the road slate. I, I think if I were grading it out, that road slate gets probably an 8 out of 10 for me. I the, the trip to mm, Missouri yeah. obviously a little bit anticlimactic. That kind of feels like especially with where that program figures to be in 2024 breaking in what's likely going to be a first year staff kind of feels like Missouri is the punching bag on the sta- or on the schedule for Oklahoma. But man that home slate.
1: It's okay that, to have. We may need we may need some of those on that that schedule.
0: No joke, man. That home slate is Beautiful. You get the big-ticket opponent, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the cream of the crop, and not just the SEC, but the entire landscape of college football for the last 15 years. Josh Heupel comes home, OU Tennessee, get another installment of that series that was most recently played in 2015 when, of course, Baker Mayfield, in his second start as a Sooner, engineered that dramatic fourth-quarter comeback. OU prevailed on the road in Rocky Top in double OT and OU and Tennessee were supposed to play again. Many will forget they were supposed to play in the fall of 2020 on the non-conference slate that Mm -hmm. as well as the army game were wiped off the schedule due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So Josh Heupel is now Tennessee's head coach, obviously he's got that program in a very strong place going into his third season with the volunteers that provides plenty of intrigue and OU and South Carolina have never met on the gridiron. In the long and decorated history of both of those programs, Teddy, they have never met, not once. And now you get a former Oklahoma assistant in Shane Beamer at the helm in Columbia. And they're on Oklahoma's home schedule in 24.
1: Yeah. You know, the interesting thing about, like, there's storylines everywhere. You're right. Hypel coming back. That's going to be fantastic. Um Obviously, Alabama, we don't even need to really discuss that. We know what that's going to be all about. South Carolina, uh, Beamer coming back. I mean, it's it's awesome. Here's like the one thing that whenever I look at the schedule that makes me feel, because, and I understand some people are looking at it and being like, what the hell are we doing? Why did we go to the SEC? This is going to be a disaster. Right, And I I understand what they're saying. I, it's it's kind of not a good time to unveil that schedule whenever you're coming off a six and seven season. So I understand that to a certain degree. But here's the thing, man. South Carolina, going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Right? Tennessee, probably going to be breaking in a new quarterback. Right? Uh, Ian Maliava, probably going to... Do you think that's probably going to be his first year starting? First off, if he takes over, is Milton's just got one year, doesn't he?
0: First, first off, I'm just astonished that you of all people, who you you make a bit of intentionally mispronouncing things, and you ripped off Nico Iamaleava's name flawlessly.
1: But, yes. Well, that's one of those that's so so difficult, like, I don't even – I wouldn't even know where to start to, <laughs> to like, try to mess it up. <laughs> but uh, but it's funny. Yeah, I, no, he's probably yeah, going to be
0: starting for Tennessee at that point. I would imagine for South Carolina – gosh, what what's yeah. the kid's name? I can't remember off the top of my head. Lenora Sellers. There you go, the kid that they just signed in the class of 23. Yeah. Uh, real intriguing quarterback. Probably going to be the life. same
1: thing with Auburn. Uh, LSU is going to be breaking in a new quarterback, um, you know. So, like, whenever you look at it, it's 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 Murderer's Row of really good football programs. They're going to have really good rosters, but you know, quarterback wise, it's not like you're staring down, say, the gauntlet of what you're going to see in the USC, right? You know, sure. uh, or in the USA, in the Pac-12 this year with all the great quarterbacks that they've got. I mean, at least as you look at it now, I mean, a lot can change before we, we kick that thing off. Or, you know, you know, even within a season in 24, someone that's a, that's a, a fresh starter can, can really shock and surprise with how good they are. But as you view it right now, it's not quarterback murderer's row.
0: Well, I think the natural rejoinder to that, and we've already gotten it several times on the Kniembelmeyer Chevrolet text line, is, well, OU's going to be breaking in a new quarterback, too.
1: That's true. That's true. There's no doubt. But well, it doesn't really need a but. We're looking forward to uh, breaking in a new quarterback. And I'm sure others are too. But I would say that I feel pretty good, at least at this moment, that, uh, that we are going to check the quarterback box in a lot of those games that season. Um, and who knows? The kid's eligible to play this year. It doesn't have to be uh, – we don't necessarily have to be breaking in a quarterback next year.
0: Oh, oh. <laughs> what are you hinting at here, Teddy? Mm-hmm. Oh, text line's going to have some fun mm-hmm. with that one. But uh, Just saying. There's a, there's a listener in the 307. Shout out to Wyoming once again on the text line. that says, five loss season, first year in the SEC, and – I I would caution against slapping a record on that conference slate at this point in time because there is so much that can change in a year and a half. For instance, if a year and a half ago you got Tennessee on your conference schedule two years down the road, you're looking at that matchup and going, (laughs) ha, Sooners by 50. Now you see Tennessee on the schedule. You're like,
1: oh, boy, that's going to be a good game right there. Yeah. Sure, um, and here's the thing, I we're coming off of a six and seven season, so whenever you look at the schedule, you know, yeah, five losses, I can see how you come to that conclusion really quickly, you know. Um, if, if perhaps we have a 10-win a season, as University of Oklahoma head football coach Brent Venables suggested we would have Uh, this season, if our defense can actually show up and play some football, then you'll probably be looking at that schedule a little bit differently. I'm not saying that you're going to look at it and say, you know, we're going undefeated in conference play this year, but you'll view it differently than you view it right now. There's no doubt.
0: From a listener in the 580 on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Guys, why is everyone not named Joel Klatt in the national media Convinced OU is about to turn into Nebraska.
1: Yeah. Well, I I can't imagine. Because the last thing, yeah, they just go off the last thing they saw, right?
0: Well, and I have to imagine that that schedule release probably didn't do any favors to Oklahoma in terms of the narratives pushed by the OU dissenters, namely the likes of Colin Cowherd, for instance, right? As an outsider, you look at that Oklahoma conference schedule, and again, I think you fall into the trap of projecting too far out. Right? You look at that conference schedule as right. it would stand in 2023, and you're going, oh, that's a gauntlet. And again, in 2023, it would be. It may still be in 2024, but we don't know that for a fact. We don't know how these rosters are going to evolve, how these coaching staffs are going to evolve, how the conference as a whole, in terms of the competitive balance, is going to evolve between now and and week one of the 2024 season?
1: Yeah, there's some things we do know. Uh, We know, for example, if we end up having the number one recruiting class in the country this year, um, win 10 games, have the number one transfer portal class after the, the 23 season, uh, have the number one transfer portal class after next year's spring, we still will not have a roster anywhere close to what Alabama's is. So we know that going in. Um, we're not going to have a better roster than Alabama no matter what happens. We're not going to be able to say that we've got um, a, a coaching advantage. We'll have home field advantage. But like that's the game you look at and you say – you just got to show up, play good football, and see what happens, right? But you can't look at it and say, we win that one. Um, every other game, I believe, on that schedule is winnable. Will we win all of them? No, probably not. Uh, we'll evaluate that in the future. But South Carolina, winnable. Tennessee, winnable. Texas, winnable. Auburn winnable, at LSU is, uh, it's winnable, but it like you're teetering close to saying, yeah, chalk that one up as an L, right? That's going to be a very very difficult game, but right now at least I'm going to classify that as a winnable football game. Uh, Ole Miss and Missouri winnable, so really to me, Bama's is the only one that you say. You have to assume an L in that. Like, who who knows what happens? Like, I'm not suggesting there's no way you win the game, but as you look at it right now, you probably put a put a loss right there for sure. Um, and even if you want to put a loss at the LSU game, you're still talking about with the way those schedules looked for everyone. You're still looking at what could end up being a really really competitive season for OU. I mean. Alabama's schedule for 24 brutal, uh, Tennessee brutal. There's some there's some schedules that you look at and it's like, oh my goodness! Did you see Florida's schedule with what they have in the non-conference as well? No, I did not. 11, 11 power five teams. Whoo! Yeah, Miami and Florida State, two of their non-conference games. Yeah, Georgia, Tennessee. It's brutal, man.
0: You want to talk about a season that's going to make or break the Billy Napier era at Florida, that would be it. Let's hit an opening timeout here on Locked In. When we come back, back to the Kinnablemeyer Chevrolet text line, we will go. Also, big, big body headed to Norman via the JUCO cycle last night. Mm. Thoughts on the addition of Danny Sayili coming up next. Keep it here on The Ref, the Homer Sooner fans. It is locked in here on The Ref, the home Sooner fans. Parker Thune alongside Teddy Lehman in the saddle on a Thursday. OU's final elite camp taking place right now. Should be wrapping up within the next hour. Been quite an impressive camp cycle this year for OU. A lot more offers, it feels like at least, have gone out at camp this year than we saw last year. Offers going out in the 2025 Hey, can I ask a
1: quick question on the – yeah, yeah, elite what's up? camps. So they have they have several different elite camps, and it seems to me that those are one day camps yes. where athletes come in. And is it like is there are they highlighting a different position group every day, or is it just different players coming in every day?
0: Yeah, so they have all the coaches working with all the position groups at every one of these camps. It's okay. just a new cast of characters every single day. Unless you're Kevin Sperry, uh, he's shown up to all five of the Sooners Elite camps and participated. So you want to talk about Good. locked in? You want to talk about locked in? Kevin Sperry ah, is locked that in. That dude
1: looks incredible to me.
0: Which I Tyler had mentioned to me you were very high on Sperry, and I mentioned it's somewhat out of character for you because you're typically pretty – Apprehensive when it comes to even freshmen, really anybody that hasn't touched the field at the collegiate level. So let me ask you, what what is it about Sperry? And I have a feeling I know the answer. But what is it about Sperry, based on what you've seen of him, that impresses you so much?
1: Uh, effortless release, comfort in like comfort in in the pocket. I I guess you would call that poise. Like, I'm and I'm not talking about. Uh, It's just like his throwing motion is smooth. (laughs) His athleticism is like it. it, everything he does looks absolutely effortless. Um, And, you know, whenever I'm talking about how good he looks, I don't know that that necessarily means anything whenever he comes to school. But as I see it right now, He's so far ahead of the game in, for for recruits of his age, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Look, I, I think he's going to be – he projects to be an incredible Division I quarterback.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've said it many a time on these airwaves. He's more advanced and more developed at his age than Jackson Arnold was at that age. And that's not to say he ends up oh, being – Oh, hey, close. Yeah, no, and that's not to say he ends up being – A better player at the collegiate level or even as good as Jackson Arnold it's way too far out to gauge that with any degree of reliability but for yes for being a sophomore in high school that's exactly what I think impresses so many folks about Kevin Sperry is that he's got the makeup of a college quarterback already and you're exactly right when you say everything he does looks effortless Man, it's like he was born to play the quarterback position, and he does it very well. Not to mention, he is all the way locked in with Oklahoma and that coaching staff. Uh, Perfect. To the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line here. Uh, Well, actually, first, before we get back to the text line, let's talk about Danny Sailli because it was announced late last night that the junior college defensive lineman originally from Topeka, Kansas – would be joining the fold for OU. Six foot two, three hundred and eighty-nine pounds. No, that is not a typo. No, that is not hyperbole. He is officially listed on the roster for Hutchinson Community College at 389 pounds. Teddy, that is a large human being by anyone's standards.
1: Uh yes. And it's the perfect combination of of weight and height. Uh, <laughs> that dude, he's he's not going anywhere. Uh, you're not blowing him off the ball at all. He's going to be under your pads from just a handful of clips that I've seen of him. He's strong as hell. Got really good quickness for being dang near 400 pounds. I I'm thrilled with what I saw.
0: And he kind of projects as like the prototypical nose, right? Like when you're playing ball in the oh, SEC yeah. and you want to go to the three-man front, say he cuts 30 pounds before he gets to Oklahoma. Still, to have a 360-pound body that you can put over center, <laughs> that's a luxury that OU has not been afforded ever in the history of this
1: program. No. And I'll just tell you right now, uh, having seen the way that he moves, I don't want. Him. Now, life's going to be difficult in some of the workout stuff, uh, <laughs> some of the running. I don't want him to lose a pound. Exactly what he does. And you just destroy the center on every single snap. That's all you got to do. He posted a like some spring practice clips on his Twitter that I found, and I and I understand it's a it's a junior college offensive line he's going against, but he's playing the nose on one of these plays, and they try to back block him to run power and pull a guard, and he sees it and just clubs the back block and sends this player flying. It's <laughs> Uh, it's top-notch stuff. Uh, it's exactly what you want. Straight Perfect up, note.
0: straight up question from a listener in the 580 on the text line: Would you take him over Derek LeBlanc? Yes. <laughs> it sounded like that was kind
1: of a no-brainer yeah. for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As they stand right now, without a doubt, I would.
0: Without a doubt. Another listener in the 405 said, Sounds like this guy not going to make the cut for speed D. No, no, this is not your speed D type <laughs> of product. There is not a snowball's chance in hell that Alex Grinch would have ever looked this kid's way. He's about 100 pounds too heavy for that scheme. But for what Oklahoma's trying to build, going to the SEC, a beefy interior defensive line that can hold up against the run even in a three-man front, Yeah. This guy fits the mold.
1: Uh, First down specialist. First down, third and short, fourth and short, short yardage goal line. He's not going to be out there in a whole lot of rushing the passer situations, I don't think. Maybe he is, though. Like, because we get into a bear front a lot. Like, we shift down to bear, and, like, the Mike Backer comes up on the edge. And you'll see this from time to time. Um, We'll line up. In, in in how we line up, pretty much the entire game in, in, in normal positions. Uh, you know the the offense will maybe look at the sideline, make an adjustment, and right before the quarterback makes his his signal for the football, will shift and will have uh, a D lineman go head up over the the center will have a, a defensive end slide down to a 3 technique the other de, the other defensive lineman lines up in a 3 technique and the other defensive end is an edge guy and then your mike backer comes and lines up on the edge outside the tackle so you got a linebacker and a defensive end outside the tackles and then you've got uh, two, three techniques, and a straight head-up nose. So you you stem to a bare front, and like that's one of one of our big rush packages out of that. So if you plan on stemming to a bare front, that dude is made to play nose guard in a bare front. That all you do is destroy the center. No gap, straight up the middle, just obliterate the guy snapping the football.
0: Big Rick and Owasso says, put this dude at fullback. Hell, give him the ball on the goal line.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> and that, here's, a, here's another really good point from a texture in the 918 because people are going to pay attention to the weight, obviously listed at 389. If you watch the tape, you watch some of the videos he's put out. He's pretty quick for being 389, as we've mentioned. But this texture in the 918 points out that big guy just needs to be quick for 10 yards in any direction. Which is 100% true. Like, you're not asking yeah. Danny Sayili to run goal line to goal line at any point. You're looking for him to be a run stuffer, a guy nope. that can clog the middle, block holes, and generally make it difficult for the opponent to clear running lanes. And so it's not as if you're going to need this guy to be able to get sideline to sideline the way you need a linebacker, too. No, he's a nose guard. And that's what Oklahoma sees him as. That's all they're going to ever ask him to be. And for that body type, I think with the current available market for guys like that via either the transfer portal or JUCO, odds are you're not getting a 390-pound guy worth his salt out of the high school ranks either. But I'm intrigued by this addition. I really like it, and I think there's potential here.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. I like it. Um, he's not going to play. He's not going to play eighty snaps a game for you, or fifty, or forty, or maybe not even thirty, right? But whenever he's in there, you know exactly what you are going to get. They are not running it in that vicinity. I I think it's good. We haven't had. We haven't had. I mean, we've had some good defensive linemen. I am not suggest, but we haven't had a body type. That is made to play a zero nose like that, that I can remember. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like what exactly what Kelly Gregg did forever. That's the type <laughs> of player you're talking about. Now, I'm not suggesting he's anywhere close to Kelly Gregg, but that's the type of guy, you know, you, that, that's the position he's, you want him to play.
0: One other 918 listener said, can't wait to see this big sucker beat the hell out of everyone's center every play. And I think a lot of Sooner fans, assuming That's Danny Sayili becomes what the OU staff believes he can become for this defensive front once they make the transition to the SEC, be a fun football player to watch on the interior for Oklahoma. We'll hit another break here on Locked right. In. Come on back and talk more about the Saealy edition. About recruiting in general, heading into the Champion Barbecue Weekend. You got questions on any of these official visitors coming in. Fire away on the Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Keep it here. Locked in, rolls on here on a Thursday. Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman with you on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. It is the eve of the Champion Barbecue. The Sooners' biggest recruiting weekend of the year. Brent Venables, I guess he disclosed the actual number, the total number of visitors coming in this weekend last night out at Rudy's. 28 visitors this weekend at the Champion Barbecue. That, of course, is highlighted by five star defensive lineman David Stone, who actually won't be the only five star defensive lineman coming in this weekend. The Sooners will also be hosting Dominic McKinley from the state of Louisiana. Another five-star interior guy. Five-star athlete Terry Bussey out of Timpson, Texas. He'll be in town. Uh, Obviously, some guys very familiar with Oklahoma, relatively local in Caden-Durham, who's technically from Duncanville, Texas these days, but grew up in Moore just a ways up the road. Michael Patterson-McDonald, who's best friends with David Stone, four-star safety up at Westmore. So all in all, very, very expansive list. And a lot of guys on this list here heading to Oklahoma for the champion barbecue tomorrow. In fact, are already rolling in on their visits today. A uh, lot of guys that have the potential to be part of Oklahoma's 2024 class. And a couple in particular that I would like to get your thoughts on, Teddy Lehman. Because obviously any time mm-hmm. there is analysis to be had at the linebacker position, I want to hear from you. James Nesta, four-star prospect out of North Carolina. Have you gotten the chance to watch the film at all on him?
1: Haven't. Uh, I think this is the kid's kind of a a tall, lean body frame, right? Yes, exactly.
0: Good baseball player as well. Very good baseball player.
1: Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Looks like he's a, a tall... Athletic kids got really good length, all, all around athleticism. Um, I haven't seen any highlights from him or video from him, but I think he, he. my guess is he probably fits the mold, probably looks a lot like, on film, looks a lot like the Easton Baker kid um, with the way that he runs around. Um, you know, Venables typically likes guys that run well, um, that change direction well. That uh, are aggressive and drive through contact whenever they're tackling, uh, kind of rangy type uh, bodies that can that have a big frame. You feel like can like the weight thing right now is not not a usually a uh, an issue unless they don't have the frame for it. And I think he's got the frame for. it. What's he listed at height-wise? Did you just say he is six three, kid, six four? Yeah, six four yeah. about two oh five. So that's like cent. that's that big frame. Um, that's that's kind of what you're looking for, exactly. Um, you know, he, he's got what um, a year and change before you would even be thinking about asking him to play uh, in a game for you, and it's more likely two years and change before you're asking him to play in a game for you. So you feel like over that that time frame. Be able to put on good weight. You've got the frame for it. Runs well. Smart kid. Multi-sport athlete. I, I, for me, I. I mean, obviously, I'm just saying this kind of as a guideline, but I prefer multi-sport athletes over yeah. kids that have specialized at one position for a long time. I I feel like if if you're looking at a kid that has specialized has been highly coached and highly trained at one specific position, you're kind of – you're looking at you – got a glimpse of what the peak is. Right, I'm, I'm not interested in a kid that's peaked in high school.
0: Yeah. A uh, listener in the 580 asked, is Nesta in the mold of a Danny Stutzman? I'll, I'll hear that comparison, and I think there's actually a lot of similarities mm-hmm. there. You look at Stutzman's background uh, down at uh, – what was it? Foundation Academy – in Windermere Florida he was doing a lot on the football field for that program wasn't just a straight up linebacker and you watch Nesta's film he's not just doing one thing either I thought it was really interesting couple things to me stand out about this kid one being that obviously he's very familiar with Brent Venables being a Carolina kid because he's not far away from Clemson Uh, and also he mentioned to me in a conversation we had about a month ago shortly after he received the offer from the OU staff, that his defense, or his high school, I guess, actually runs the exact same defensive scheme, or runs a defensive scheme, that's modeled after what Venables implemented at Clemson, and has since implemented at OU. So, he sees a very natural scheme fit for him at Oklahoma, and obviously he's exceedingly familiar with Brent Venables' track record of developing linebackers. So, This is one that I'm particularly intrigued by heading into the Champion Barbecue official visit weekend because he's already cut things down to three schools. It's Miami, North Carolina, and it's Oklahoma. And moreover, he's already taken his officials to Miami and to North Carolina. So a decision is not far off here. He's going to have all the data he needs to be able to make a decision after this trip is complete. If everything goes well and he feels comfortable at Oklahoma, this will be his first trip to the Sooner State. If everything feels good this weekend for James Nesta in terms of the comfort factor, then I can see this guy being one that pops pretty quickly in the aftermath of the barbecue weekend. The thing you have to keep in mind, though, if you're a Sooner fan looking forward to Brent Venables potentially landing a blue-chip linebacker commit in Nesta is that Baseball is a very sizable piece of the puzzle for this kid because he's arguably got a higher ceiling on the diamond than he does on the gridiron. He can already crank it up to 95 miles an hour with his fastball. He's the number one ranked right-handed pitcher in the state of North Carolina. So this is a guy that can bring it on the hill and is very, very committed to playing both sports at the collegiate level and devoting substantial time to both sports at the collegiate level. So if you can get him, man, his impact goes beyond football because he's got a chance to be a cornerstone member of the staff for Skip Johnson in a year or two. But uh, if you don't get him, it's also not a case of, well, Brent Venables and this 6-7 and season that Oklahoma had. Gosh, look at this. They can't even win a linebacker battle with North Carolina and Miami. No, it's not just all about the football here with Nesta. Baseball's going to come into play, and if nothing else, Miami and North Carolina are two schools that have enjoyed a lot of success historically in the sport of baseball. Uh, back to the Knipple-Meyer Chevrolet you know, text That's
1: line. I think that's where that move to the SEC helps you a lot though, right? I mean, um, if baseball's a big part of what you do or what you want to do, there's no better place uh, in college right now than, than the SEC for a 64 pitcher throwing uh, upper 90s right so like it, let me ask this you said um he's committed to play football and baseball collegiately what does that mean as far as like he's he's got no interest in the MLB draft for the time being
0: i i mean look The MLB draft is a big X factor anytime you have a kid that's a highly regarded baseball prospect that also plays football, right? Because based on the draft slot, the money can vary wildly, right? And so if if it's a situation down the line a year from now Mm -hmm. where James Nesta is a projected first-round MLB draft pick and has the potential to make a signing bonus that adds up to seven figures, then maybe we're having a different conversation. But for the moment, Nesta has been adamant about the fact that he wants to go to college and he wants to play both sports.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I don't know that, have, that we've ever had a a dual sport football, baseball linebacker, and that's kind of different than – it's kind of different than um like a wide receiver or something like that and I know Kyler was right uh, he was he was the best athlete on the field by such a margin that like I don't know that his career would have been any different had he never even practiced football. I think it probably would have looked about the you know um I don't know how that looks at linebacker. You know, typically I, it, it, there's a lot of development, a lot of, is it's not just a natural, you go out there and you throw it to the open guy, if no one's there and you're under pressure, you take off running and you run around the corner on every like, there's a lot that goes into it, I'm just, I'm not saying it can't be done, I'm just, about that dynamic and how it works out.
0: It's guy, Guy on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line chimed in and said yeah if only we had a two-sport athlete that recently had success at ou and i can imagine the kyler murray factor will be something that both the football and the baseball staff uh bring up in their pitch to nesta this weekend as he prepares to make the trek from cornelius north carolina to norman oklahoma for his official visit let's hit one final break here on locked in when we return We'll hit whatever texts remain on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. We'll get to as many as we can as we continue to preview the Champion Barbecue Weekend coming up for Oklahoma. Brent Venables and his staff hosting 28 visitors beginning tomorrow. Keep it here on The Ref, the home Sooner fans. Locked in here on The Ref, final segment before the rush comes your way at the top of the hour. Travis Davidson will hop in and carry it for the next three hours alongside Teddy Lehman, who's out there right now at Westwood Golf Course. Teddy, how about this? We'll get to a few texts if we got time before the end of the hour, but right now let's have another Teddy tale because you mentioned it off air, (laughs) but – Steely was circling back around to the Arkansas anecdote that you shared on the air yesterday. And uh, is there any more color that you can add to that
1: whole experience? Yes. It's just, it's a funny story. Because whenever Steely started talking about Arkansas, he was talking about, talked about that 1978 Orange Bowl. That was a disaster. OU was a big favorite. Lou Holtz took Arkansas down to Miami and beat Oklahoma after suspending a bunch of players. Here's the funny thing that ties everything I talked about yesterday together. The quarterback for that Arkansas team was Oklahoma State that said none of these kids here will ever play Division I football. (laughs) No kidding. You you remember me telling you that part? Yeah. So I'm sure some people on the text line will tie – all of that together at some point, but the quarterback in the '78 Orange Bowl was the coach at Oklahoma State that suggested that. Well, none of these kids are ever play D1. We just kind of put these things together to get a look at everyone, and have some people up here on campus. <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, uh, OU. Whenever I was at OU, great guy, by the way. It was just a funny introduction to, uh, to a junior day at Oklahoma State.
0: From a listener in the 580, we spent a good deal of time last segment talking about James Nest the four-star linebacker prospect that's coming to Oklahoma for an official visit beginning tomorrow. Uh, this listener in the 580 says, I would think the bulk required to play linebacker at the D1 level would make it very difficult to maintain a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. Seems like there'd be two completely different workout programs for both football and baseball. You've been through those workout programs as a linebacker, Teddy. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. Uh, I don't even pretend to know anything about pitching. Um, you know, a lot – what I do know, a lot of it is just kind of flexibility, that shoulder and and that elbow. You whip that, that arm. It is different, um, but – You know, we've seen some – there's been some pretty big – like Roger Clemens looked like a linebacker to me. Uh, That dude's huge. So I don't know. Um, Just like right off the top, yeah. I mean, typically your workout for – not typically. Yes, the workout for pitching is totally different for being a linebacker, but I don't know necessarily that they have to eliminate one another.
0: All right, let's hit one final text here before we close things out. Teddy, it's a question for you. you got about 90 seconds to answer it. This is courtesy of Glenn in Nashville. What is one position group on the team that you think is SEC ready right now? And conversely, what do you think is one position group on the team that needs some work before Oklahoma moves to the SEC?
1: Um, I think think, uh, safety is SEC ready right now. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think there's a chance by the time we get to the season that our offensive line is, uh, is SEC ready. Um, and there's a couple other that are close. I think we're close at edge. Interior defensive line is what I would say at the time is the furthest away. There you go.
0: Yeah, safety would have been my first uh, – that would have been the first answer that I reverted to. As well, especially with the addition Mm -hmm. of Peyton Bowen and a couple of those guys that are still young on that roster. I think Robert Spears Jennings in particular is a guy that just has an immensely high ceiling if developed properly. I love where the safety room's at for Oklahoma right now. And based on the way the 2024 class goes, it could get even more solid by the time Oklahoma transitions to the SEC. That's all for Locked In here on a Thursday. Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman here with you on the Ref Sports Radio Network. I'm done Travis Davidson's going to hop in alongside Teddy next and carry you for the next three hours on The Rush. Keep it right here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network.